Well, welcome again to this episode of Shoulder to Shoulder. Your host for today and always is Pam, Marvin, and Megan Silas. And we're continuing a very important conversation about face coverings. Let's say it like that. Uh, not simply just masks, but the face coverings and how they really impacting us in a spiritual way. It's been so good for me to discuss this with Megan, to articulate so many things that I'm feeling interiorly. Um, so Megan, why don't you go ahead and start off with this next section as we go into yeah. a more spiritual aspect of the face coverings. Yeah, before I launch into that, though, I actually do want to talk about that term face coverings, because that's the term that's kind of that people use a lot on um, when they have signs and everything like they they use this term face coverings. And I think there is a discomfort with the word mask. Mm. And I think there are reasons for that, that some of which we discussed in our previous podcast. There is a symbolism attached to the idea of wearing a mask. When we think about wearing masks, um, you know, just in a symbolic sense, what do we think of? Hiding behind something. Halloween. Not, Halloween, not showing your true self. Um, you know, often people who want to do something nefarious. Right. It's they're a gonna, facade. Yeah, they're going to mask themselves so that they can't be recognized. And so... I have always been a person that felt that the way that we speak, the words that we use are very important. And I think that the shying away from the term mask is an acknowledgement that we as human beings struggle with the concept of mask as being a good thing. So I just throw that out there for people to ponder. I think that the term face covering is an attempt to soften the reality of what we're doing. So I actually would like to keep using the term mask, if you don't mind. No, I don't mind, but the way I see that is is being more inclusive of all the different types of things we're wearing on our face. You've got the little gator things that you wear, the sportsmen right. who wear it up over their nose, and then you have the homemade ones, mask that they have. But they're um, all still up to mask. A scarf, up to, I've seen bandanas. Right, you yeah. Know, so it's like a more of an inclusive word. Right, you know, but I would still say they are all still masking your face. Right. So to understand that the purpose doesn't change even when the form changes, right? Exactly. Okay. So I was thinking that maybe, um, and we caught, we talked about, I think briefly, we just mentioned it um, in the last podcast. Um, but as we jump into uh, a deeper exploration of the idea of the spiritual impact of the face. Let's just talk about the spiritual impact of the face, not just covering the face, but the face itself. Um, the fact that the church really faced this topic head on, <laughs> pun completely intended, um, when there was the heresy of iconoclasm. Well, tell us about what that is, Megan. So I won't claim to be an expert at all about uh, this, but I have done a little bit of reading on it. So um, it was a problem in the early church where some people read the Old Testament prohibition against graven images and felt that representations of God um, in particular, but it extended onto saints as well in the, in the Christian church, uh, were not kosher, shall we say. And um, so in the early 18, 800s, 
not sorry, this early 8th century, so that would be the early 700s, always got to keep that straight, um, it really kind of came to a head where uh, there was a Byzantine emperor, Leo, who issued a um, decree that all of the sacred images in churches be destroyed. Now, okay, I don't think anyone can like hear that right now and not think about what is going on in our nation and in the world where there is this movement towards destroying statues and things like that. We're, we are seeing some echoes of this. Um, but back uh, when the church was dealing with it back in the um, 8th century, um, they had a uh, the Second Council of Nicaea really took it on. The, that occurred in 787. And they decided that, no, it is important that we have physical representations of Christ particularly because as, as uh, it was decreed by that council um, to represent the human face of the son of God is to honor the image of the invisible God and to see the word made flesh. I can just rest in that. That's wonderful. So I love it when Jesus says, Um, to his disciples, he said, those who have seen me have seen the father. Jesus's incarnation is just so much central to our faith as Christians, that God became man. He became like us in everything but sin. He had a face And he showed us that face. That is really important. And what it does is it doesn't just indicate something about God, that he is willing to humble himself, to become like us in form. It also indicates something about us that our physical form has been elevated to be like God. Because it's always that, right? It's the condescension of God so that we have the elevation of humanity, that God coming in human flesh and human likeness is part of the divination of humanity. And they understood this back in, the, in, the, in this time when they were trying, it was like, no, we need to destroy it. No, we need to look upon the face of God and understand who he is and who we are in him. Right. And you see this today still when you see people have sticking points about coming into the Catholic faith. They're like, yeah, but you got all those statues. That's kind of right. weird. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but for us, particularly as it relates to images of, of Christ, It's essential to our understanding of this is not just some ephemeral, ephemeral, like idea that God, you know, sort of existed in a spiritual way and and looked like human, but wasn't really human because that was another, that was another heresy that they're dealing with back then in the days of really coming onto the, into the, its own as a church, as far as our Christological understanding of who Christ is. This idea that, no, he was truly human flesh. No, like, just kind of looked that way, but wasn't really or or anything like that. No, real deal, 
fully God, fully, fully man. Mm-hmm. Right. And that face was so much how we understood his humanity. He had the face of a human man. And that reality extends to our faces gaining greater dignity, greater importance. Um, and so anything that says, I cover it, I, I deface it, I, you know, even that term, to deface something. Mm, to take the face away. You take the right. face away. Yeah. But we, we use that not just like when you do something, you know, to cover a face on an image or something. The term deface is used to destroy anything. Wow, what powerful symbolism. So powerful. So when we make decisions to deface ourselves, we cannot help in our spirit to feel a loss of our identity, of our connection to the incarnate Christ. Of our humanity. Our humanity, which it finds its source in the Lord. Um, so, I mean, I think what you were saying, you were saying, Pam, earlier, um, that a lot of people, they feel a discomfort, they feel like they're struggling with this. You know, they don't want to be insensitive. They don't want to be somebody who says your health doesn't matter to me, but they're really feeling a profound pain um, for experiencing the world defaced. Right. With me being very extroverted, this is very, very challenging for me. And I have to work even a little bit harder um, to stay with like my head above water a little bit when it comes to just enjoying people. So I am a joyful person by nature. I love my job and where Mm -hmm. I go and, and not seeing faces has been very, very challenging for me because I want to fully love them and I don't feel like I'm all in. I mean, I, the first thing that comes to mind about this too, Megan, is it reminds me so much of contraception. Yeah. yeah. You know, I hear you. The best of myself back from these people that I love uh, for a different purpose that sometimes is defined by others and not necessarily ourselves knowing that it's not what's really best for us. So I really, I really see that. I can't be all in. I find myself um, not engaging as much. I find myself kind of um, hiding in my office because I don't want to wear my mask. So I can just do that and hide a little bit, which is a lot about what the masks are is kind of hiding. Yeah, I think, you know, that might be like a shocking like term to use as it relates to the mass of contraceptive. And, and so I think I would like to maybe unpack that a little more because I really have thought and felt the same thing. And um, so, you know, in our understanding of human sexuality, when we t- uh, and the Catholic understanding of human sexuality, the reason that contraception is such a problem is because the physical act um within the marriage is supposed to be a free, full, total gift of self, right? A no holds barred. I'm giving you all of myself. I'm not trying to separate myself from you. I'm not trying to hold something back of myself from you. I'm, I'm giving myself over as a free gift. I'm right? all in. I'm all in. Yeah. So, and, and so I think if we go back to when we talked about spiritual friendship, 
in our uh, podcast about that. And I talked about how the aspects of that um, are supposed to be present for something truly be a physical, uh, a spiritual friendship is this sense of gratuity, right? A free gift of self and a love of the other for their, their own self and for their own good. And that charity or the agape love is a free gift of oneself ordered towards the good of the other. So what happens when we wear a mask, it can say to the other person, I am not willing to give all of my charity to you in the sense of a full free gift of myself. I'm holding something back. And whether it's for my protection or your protection, it's still a withdrawal of the fullness of who I am, a withholding of the fullness of who I am in this interaction. So when put that way, it's very much like contraception. Yes. You know? Very much. In our, you know, bonding relationship, our our intimacy as, as um, human beings interacting, you know? And so that has, you know, spiritual implications. Absolutely. And as we were getting on this track, we were talking about um, how important the human face is, but also the holy face. My goodness, the church has even said, and we even have this great devotion to the holy face. Yeah, I think it's actually, you know, while we have it, I'm not sure it's really very well known, in fact. Um, And it's not surprising to me that it kind of fell out of favor in a way. It it got really popular um, after it was promulgated. Um, And for those folks who maybe aren't even familiar that there is an actual devotion to the holy face of Jesus, uh, I can give you a little background on it. Um, It came about from the uh, mystical experiences of a nun named Sister Mary of St. Peter. She was a Carmelite nun. in the uh, 19th century, so kind of like the mid-1800s, uh, where she had an experience where the Lord uh, spoke to her very similar in a way to the way the Lord spoke to uh, St. Faustina about the divine mercy. Um, the Lord appeared to her and spoke to her about um, promulgating a devotion to his holy face with a purpose was to make reparation for the numerous blasphemies and profanities taking place in the world, but also because of the abuses against Sundays and holy days of obligation. Now, I find that really profound in this day and age where we are in a world where basically I don't know of I've just heard there is one bishop in the United States who has now said, no, we're back into having Sundays and holy days of obligation as a requirement to Catholics. I forget which bishop it is, but I just read an article. There's only one. So throughout our entire nation, at least, um, in almost no diocese in the nation, are you required to go to mass, to go to mass? You're not even required. You're not even required to do it virtually. Actually, there's been a total dispensation of the requirement to go to mass on Sundays and holy days. Now, the fact that we are living in that day and age, and then there is this 
um, devotion to the holy face of Jesus. And we have to wear masks. And we have to wear masks. And and this devotion was meant in reparation for these things. I think that's profound. I think, I don't think that that is any coincidence or, you know, I think, so I would really, the whole devotion of the holy face is really ordered towards meditating on all the ways that the Lord's face was seen throughout his life yes. on earth. Now, Therese is the one who, St. Therese of Lisieux is the one who introduced it to me because you can see pictures of her. She was very mm-hmm. fond of this devotion. Oh, very much so. And in my own way, I developed it through the the shroud. It's yes. not exactly the same, yeah. but it's the shroud. And there's now this beautiful artwork. I don't remember the priest's name who then developed more features around mm-hmm. the shroud. And that is like one of my most favorite pieces. Mine too, yeah, actually. Yes. Yeah. I don't Love know it. if we ever discussed that. No. but uh, <laughs> And so, yeah, the, so this devotion, you know, it, it got the full, um, you know, approval of the Vatican and was promoted. And, and there was another... Um, uh, gentleman Leo Dupont, who was also a major uh, promoter of it, and uh, so it really built. But then, um, as we got on in the world, and it sort of kind of got forgotten after World War One a little bit, and uh, so it hasn't been as well known. But I really think it's something we need to bring back and really acknowledge the importance of meditating on the face of Christ and understanding what that means about who he is and about who we are. Yes. And, uh, have an interesting little challenge then for our listeners, our podcast friends. Um, I would recommend contemplating the face of Christ and having your favorite become your lock screen on your phone. Which is on mine, actually. As mine as well. (laughs) But if you haven't done that yet, um, find what your favorite is. I rotate mine through. There's a few that I really love. Um, But yes, please, that's a challenge. If you haven't done that already, to contemplate the face of God. That in itself is a prayer, folks. And oftentimes I will go and just sit in the Adoration Chapel and um, just have the image of Christ's face that I pray with and sit and allow him to love me. Of course I adore him. Of course he knows how much I adore him. But oftentimes he will stop in that still small voice and say to me, let me love you. And he does it through his holy face. Yeah. Now this prayer is not super, super short, but it's not super long. So I kind of want to read it. It's, it's the, it's the prayer that you kind of wrap up the devotion to. So as part of the holy face devotion, there's a a few parts. Um, There's kind of like a little introductory prayer. And then there's what's called the golden arrow prayer, which is a beautiful prayer that talks about reverencing the the name of, of God. Um, And then there's what's called the litany of the holy face of Jesus, which is this beautiful litany of just meditating on all the different ways that um, Christ's face was seen um, throughout his life on earth. Um, But then it concludes with a prayer to God the Father, which I think is really, really beautiful. So I just want to share it because I love it so much. And it's I think it's really relevant to our time. Says Almighty and Eternal Father, since it has pleased our divine Savior to reveal to mankind in modern times the power residing in his holy face, we now avail ourselves of this treasure in our great need. Since our Savior himself promised that by offering to you his holy face disfigured in the passion, we can procure the settlement of all the affairs of our household. 
and that nothing whatsoever will be refused to us, we now come before your throne. Eternal Father, turn away your angry gaze from our guilty people whose face has become unsightly in your eyes. Look instead upon the face of your beloved Son, for this is the face of him in whom you are well pleased. We now offer you his holy face, covered with blood, sweat, dust, spittle, and shame, in reparation for the worst crimes of our age, which are atheism, blasphemy, and the desecration of your holy days. We thus hope to appease your anger justly provoked against us. The all-merciful advocate opens his mouth to plead our cause. Listen to his cries. Behold his tears, O God, and through the merits of his holy face, hearken to him when he intercedes for us poor, miserable sinners. Amen. And so, you know, I feel like, um, you know, there's so much um, of humanity that's turned away from God that we have turned our face from God. And for me, the spiritual reality of, of hiding that part of us that most reflects our reality as being made in the image of likeness of God makes it even more dangerous for us to get detached from the reality of our identity as sons and daughters of God made in his image and likeness. And that we lose such a big part of who we are to each other in that as well. And just to think on God and Christ and taking our form, like, you know, I get back to what I talked to about in the last podcast of that icon of the picture of Jesus covered in a mask and why it impacted me so much. And I think it really comes down to there is no part of me that can imagine that Jesus would hide his face from us. Because to not be able to gaze the face of Jesus is like death. No, isn't that hell? Yeah. Yeah. To be absent from being in the presence of God to adore his beautiful, glorious face. And we're meant to see that in each other. And if we can't, a world that's already struggling to see God in each other is now hindered even more. And what does that mean about how we treat each other, how we relate to each other, how we love each other? It becomes so much more of a struggle. And these dangers, what it means to our society, what it means to our hearts, they're real. And they're worth considering when we're considering what we're trying to protect ourselves from. Well, Megan, I was telling you, too, that even though this is hard for me, just as just just simply on the extroverted uh, aspect of it, that um, I really feel 
in my heart that I do wear the mask and heard a very good way to look at it as well, especially if you're one that it's not something that you're very comfortable with as an act of reparation, an act of penance, you know, if not for my personal sin, that of my family, friends, community, and in fact, our country, if it is difficult for you to wear a mask on a, on a daily basis and you do feel somewhat uh, uncomfortable for lots of spiritual reasons more than anything else, that's all I'm talking about in the spiritual realm. It is an, It can be a very nice act of humility and reparation for this time that we're living in. Right. And I would also ask, you know, people to consider, you know, if you're in a situation and you've made a determination that, well, I'm going to wear the mask because I want to protect you and I love you. If another person is saying to you, actually, if you want to protect me and love me, protect my heart and make yourself available to me, take it off, be present to me. If that's what you, if you really want my good, I'm telling you right now, my good is to see you. Have a little humility to say maybe what I determined is best for the other person could be wrong. What I'm hearing is charity, charity in all circumstances in this situation, because it has divided us down to friend and friend who have like-mindedness even but different views on that. So charity, let that be the winner of the day. You know not their story. You right. know not why they do wear a mask or why they do not wear a mask. Mm-hmm. It's up for God to understand that. But we need charity to be the winner. Right. You know, because, I mean, I was just in a situation uh, the other day where I was in a, in a room with a person, one-on-one. We were you know, six feet apart or more, probably more door was closed. Um, and I said, do you mind if we take off the masks? Um, you know, I would like to be able to have a conversation with you without the mask. And she said, well, ideally if it were up to me, I would love to do that, but I live with a 75 year old person who's at risk. And I just feel like I would prefer to keep them on, um, out of, you know, caution for her. And I hear that and I'm like, of course, I'm happy to, you know, help you protect your housemate. So that's the thing, like compelling reasons, you know, reasons uh, that are, are truly prudent, that, that truly are based in the, the needs and the risks of others. Yeah. Do that. Be prudent. But what I'm saying um, when we look at this, just like when we talked about the first thing, first um, podcast on this topic, look at the whole picture. Don't dismiss the idea that someone's spiritual, psychological, emotional need may be more significant than their physical risk in that situation. And always make those decisions, like you said, out of charity, true charity based in truth with love, you know, and I think, you know, as we're wrapping up, um, this topic of, of the mass, I, I'm glad that we've landed on this, this idea of in the end, the question is always what is true and what is charitable. 
And these should be our guiding principles in all that we do as it relates to everything. But in a situation where there's fear, so often what's true can be clouded by the fear. And this is the classic, you know, tool of the enemy, right? He likes to stoke fear so that his lies can make their way in and they can rule the day. And my concern is in the stoking of the fear of our physical safety as it relates to COVID, the enemy has worked his way into saying you're, you're a threat to each other and your faces don't matter. And we need to be aware that that is a lie he wants to sell because he, more than any person, more than any government, more than anything, wants to steal our identity. Mm. The enemy wants to steal the thing that we possess that Christ gave us in, this, in the incarnation, which is a shared image and likeness of God. The enemy hates the fact that Jesus became man. He hated it so much, he wasn't willing to stay in heaven to watch it. He turned his face from God. And he wants us to do the same. And we need to be fight it for, with all that we are, with all that we have, because this life is not the end. It's not our goal. Physical death is not the worst thing that can happen to us. Fear not. Him that can kill the body, but him that can kill the body and the soul. And that's the battle we're in here. Exactly. And I think bringing this topic of the mask into a broader perspective of spiritual impact, spiritual realities, is just saying, let's look at this big picture in a way that puts aside some of the fear and really tries to focus on the truth of what these things that we're doing mean for our souls and how they're affecting our relationships. Right. Cause they are, no one can say they aren't. Everybody's feeling it. Everybody's knowing it and, and they're hurting. You know, we gave that statistic about 25% of our young people between the age of 18 and 25 contemplating suicide. Life is feeling less worth living when we're living a life lived in fear. And isolation. And isolation. And division. Absolutely. So, you know, I'll just we'll pray for all of us that we, you know, just open our hearts to discern how God calls us to live in these days, um, how we can best glorify him, how we can best reflect the dignity that he's given us in his incarnation um, by creating us in his image and likeness, uh, just Lord, just guide us. You know, I'm just coming to prayer right now with it, Lord. We just bring it to you. We want to be pleasing in your sight. Help us to make the choices that glorify you. Help us to make the choices that say to the world, I am a child of God made in his image and likeness. Help us to love each other with the love that you have for us. Place in our hearts an unwavering, devotion to the dignity that you have created in every human person. 
Help us to love with the heart of Christ who does not hide his face from us, but who comes to us close, who touches us, who enters our lives, who loves us with an unending love, with a reckless love. Show us, show us, Lord God, how you would have us love in that way. And help us to be obedient to whatever you call us to. Dispel the fears in our hearts and replace it only with the joy and peace that comes from you. We pray this in the name of our Holy Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So Pam, as we leave, I'd like to end on one of my favorite verses from Please, the Bible because yes. it does mention the face and it speaks to our hope, our hope mm. of, the, of the world to come. And, um, you know, let us also try to endeavor to establish as much as we can the kingdom of God on earth. This is from First, first Corinthians. Corinthians. Now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Amen. Lord God, help us to know you more fully and to know each other more fully. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Um, and uh, we wish you health in all aspects of your life, physical, spiritual, emotional, and may God bless you. Until next time. Bye-bye.